Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Welcome to the Mini Break, your daily podcast for the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world. Today is Thursday, June 2nd. As promised to all of you listeners, we've got a two-mini break Thursday for you. Are we trying to compensate for the lack of first-week French Open podcast? Absolutely. That said, it's going to be a really exciting championship weekend at the year's second Grand Slam. And of course, earlier today, David Kane of Tennis.com joined me to break down the two women's semifinals we saw on both Iga Swiatek, Coco Golf advancing to the French Open final. Both players reached the semifinal stage of the 2018 Junior French Open. Now to see them play in the women's singles final. We talked about what that means. Big picture of what's happening on the WTA Tour. We offered our preview for the match. We did talk a little bit about the men's action as well, but if you're looking for that women's content, head on over to episode number one on the day. As I said on that podcast, though, I want to offer you all an episode focused exclusively on previewing tomorrow's men's semifinals. We have two very different matches, yet two matches that, if the expectations hold, should deliver another exceptional day of tennis. You look at the French Open quarterfinals. That was about as fun a round as we've seen in a men's singles tournament in quite a bit of time at the Grand Slams. There were no duds in the bunch. Simply put, every match tightly and contested, high levels of of tennis played in just about every match as well. As such, we should have a popcorn semifinal round ahead of us on Friday. And of course, on today's podcast, as promised, I want to break down those two semifinals, talk about the tactics, offer some predictions for all of you listeners. Of course, if we're going to have that sort of fun, it always makes this podcast more lively to have someone to do it with. And joining me on the podcast today as a guest we haven't had on this show in far too long, but of course is perhaps the returning champion of all returning champions on this mini break podcast in particular. Of course, you know him best as the co-host of our Tennis Point Tuesdays episodes here at our Cracked Racket shows. Of course, you also know him best as our guy, Nate Walrath. Nate? Welcome back to the show. I'm not going to lie. I miss seeing your smiling face, getting to hang out in Champagne. Have you recovered? How are you doing? First off, Appreciate it. We are back in business. It was a crazy time for us. I mean, we got the Lincoln Champagne. We thought we had a podcast lined up, but I mean, we had matches till 2 a.m. with the rain. So that's we, we, we needed some sleep, but we did get to, uh, to hang out and watch. I mean, just amazing tennis. I mean, I, I still talk about it, like the last two days at work, like blown away by the level of tennis at, at the in Champagne. I mean, so- Elite Eight on. I'm glad you bring that up, and I want to start with some champagne thoughts because you attended the 2022 NCAA Division I Men's and Women's Championships in Champagne, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, and please do if I am, but you're a guy who has obviously played tennis at a high level, played college tennis. You've now focused, obviously, work in tennis, watch a ton of pro tennis day in, day out. I feel like 
with those credentials in mind, you were not the biggest college tennis fan going into this 2022 NCAA tournament. And correct me if I'm wrong again, I believe this was your first NCAA tournament experience. Quarterfinal days are the best days on the tennis calendar. I don't care if it's Grand Slam, you know, across any level. And in college tennis in particular, at that point you have eight teams. And this year with the parity, we saw it felt like every team in Champaign, if things would have broken their way, could have won the championship on both the men's and women's sides. That competitive nature manifested itself in particular on women's quarterfinal day. 4-2, It was a spectacular day of tennis. Obviously the men's pretty good as well Baylor Tennessee all the way through to Florida Virginia you were there beyond that as well you were there for the championships Uh, I'm curious what your response as a tennis fan was obviously you indicated a bit there but you got to see it at the highest level I obviously try to sell it to all of our Cracked Rackets fans am I being hyperbolic or is it the real deal no like to be honest I've like I know like I've tried to always give my opinion but like I thought you were gassing up college tennis to a level to just bring attention to it. I mean, I was like, good for Grushkin. Like, you know, this dude, he's all in, like he's, he's pushing it. Like I was like, but like you honestly, I, you, I was like, I got to get to this and just make sure like I'm missing something. I think I might be missing something. And I didn't really tune into college tennis until this year. Like I would, I couldn't have called myself a college tennis fan probably until this year. And I watched more than I ever have. And then going to that, going to the elite eight, that changed my mind on college tennis. I mean, and, and like I've, I've said it before on the podcast, like you can use college tennis as an avenue to get like, and I, and I knew it could happen, but you don't understand it. Like when I was like, when I was saying it until you go watch these guys practice, watch them play matches and see like the ball that these guys are hitting. I mean, it's, it's incredible. It's challenger level tennis out there in particular. Like the, the one guy that stands out to me from that, what I got to see was Montez from Virginia. Like, do you know how good these guys are at the pro level? Like this guy, Montez is playing. He could play one for Virginia, I think. I mean, he's he's got the game. You, you, and you told me that, I think, whatever, like now, like watching him play, like how well he moves. He can play that many matches all the way from the team event to the singles events with like hardly any days off. And he, the way he, the physical style that he plays, the fitness level from that guy in particular and the, the ball striking and just the willingness to just put his body on the line for two hours a match. I mean, that was like, that kind of changed me. And then on the feet, like, the, the women's side as well, watching them, like Navarro, watching her against Stearns was like, that blew me away. And then watching Stearns do what she did, turned it up another yeah. notch and just kicked it up to a whole other level and went and did what she did in the singles title and took they took on the team event and she dominated Sleeth for like the second straight time. So I don't know. But, like what we saw, we were, like, we were talking about it for two weeks straight. It felt like we were just like, holy, like, what are we? And I, I mean, Ben Shelton and Riffis and like the, the home, all those guys, it's electric. Like the atmosphere is electric. It's pro tennis. It needs way more, whatever we just witnessed in college tennis and champagne. I mean, it needs that energy. And people can say that like, if it was in Orlando, maybe it was more fans, but I thought the fans in champagne, it was just a rowdy atmosphere. And I thought it was way more than what I expected. So I wanted to let you go from start to finish, but you mentioned two aspects in particular that I think are the key to college tennis. And I want to start with number one, which you ended there. The energy. You just don't – and you – Michigan, Ohio State. I wish every tennis fan in the world could have watched Ohio State, Michigan that Thursday night we got there. Like, me and Bartek, the inter, our entire tennis point, who's actually going to play college tennis um, somewhere next year. We'll, 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 I'll let him, I'll let him yeah. announce that. 
Um, but anyway, um, the whole, like, we were looking at each other like, this is different. Like even from the warmups, just the like the chanting and the like everything, you're just like, oh, this is this is different than anything we've we've seen. So that like we were just, you don't get that atmosphere, you don't get that feeling. The fans are barking at each other. It felt like that's why we love college sports. No, I mean Patrick Maloney celebration after he won the second set. You don't see that on court. You can't do that in a professional match um, unless you want to get penalized that, right away. That was that was something. That was yeah. But yeah. to your point about the that energy. Guy's Again, it's the players on court, the practicing, the cheering, the fact that you're allowed to be partisan at a fan and not only root openly for someone, but also root openly against people and just feel as though you are engaged and becoming a part of the match. As engaged and active as a crowd can be, very rarely, if ever, in a professional tennis match does the crowd significantly become a factor in the match. Now, they're there for the matches, but do they become a part of it? Absolutely not. In a tight stage, I mean, again, second set, Corley tiebreaker against Zanilova or whomever, uh, or I may be, I may have gotten the name wrong. Whichever freshman plays three for Texas, the Texas men were getting after it in that NCAA women's final and were on top of Ivana Corley and just again after every error, every winner for Texas, and she's a freshman to have them behind her. Uh, the difference that makes. Again, the energy is special in the crowd. It's reflected in the atmosphere. You see the open cheering. Sometimes you think, is this a little bit much? Maybe. But I'll give me too much no, yeah, me too as much. opposed to not yeah. enough. And it's We can just... always temper it down. Like, exactly. Okay, like, the, how about the jumping for Oklahoma? Like, that's exactly. what I'm in the grocery store. All I do nowadays is jump. Like, I'm just – who was I talking to? I forget where I was in real life, and we had to celebrate. Oh, no, it was during the individuals, and we were getting – warmed up for the broadcast myself Haley Carter and Mark Bay and Mark Bay wasn't there in the broadcast booth for the team event but he was there watching the matches so he understood the reference I was making and before the match started I was like let's get loose let's have some fun and they're like well what do you suggest and I was like well let's just go Oklahoma and we just let's started see, bouncing Oklahoma, in place feet, and just like jumping because I was like clearly quick, that works quick feet all day got it so coach Cobra and coach Cohen those two blew me away just getting to talk to them briefly and like their knowledge of tennis and how intense they are and how much buy-in they get from their, from their players from top to bottom. That was something I haven't seen. And I'm like that level of coaching in college is unbelievable. Um, those, the quick feet by Oklahoma, the energy that they bring Emma Staker, number six singles, a young star in college tennis, like, what she does on the tennis I said court this at, with Colette and John Parsons in our college tennis recap. She should have been in the NCAA tournament just because you know it. You can't prove to me she's ever lost. No, you can't. She's I haven't seen like, it. She blew like what she was doing on the court, her mental, like how tough she is. She was getting energy from, from guys that were Florida fans. Florida lost and Oklahoma's recruited these fans to come cheer for them. And like Emma was getting energy from these fans that she had never even like just like that's you don't get that in any i mean so that was cool but uh, i put a video up of liam draxel celebrating on instagram like a reel of all his celebrations curious and kakanakis uh they got a no. they got a they commented like curious is like what is going on and kakanakis is like this is outrageous like no one has seen what you see in a college tennis matches it's the best thing in the world. I'm not being hyperbolic, folks. You owe it to yourself if you're listening to this podcast to go check out a college tennis match near you. I would also point out part two and the final point I want to make and then we can move on is the, you talked about the quality of play 
and the coaching. First of all, to have the access to this quality coaching, you have NCAA champions and Audra Cohen on the sidelines, Haley Carters of the world on the sidelines. And, you know, again, on the men's side, whether it's Andreas Pedroso or Cedric Kaufman, the fact Peter Cobell, too. Peter Cobell, you know, on, again, man. an NCAA doubles finalist, one of the best five players of his final two-year stretch in college tennis is a volunteer assistant. You know, again, the quality of coaching is out of this world. The quality of play I say this lovingly, prove me wrong, Francois Musatelli, number four singles player for Kentucky, that he's not going to make it. You're just like, how the f*** are you not going to make it? You are so good at tennis. And, like, you play four for Kentucky. And, like, again, you are unbelievable. And you're not going to be top 100. And it's just like, but you're unbelievable. And you are definitely one of the 1,000 best players in the world. And you have access to, you know, yep. 40 uh, of them throughout the, yep. from the quarterfinals on. And it's just like, I, next year it's in Orlando. Book your yep. ticket now. I'll, book your hotel room yeah. now. But book your ticket now. Last shout out, Bar Botzer. He's my age. The guy, like, he's no, he's like, older, he's older. older. <laughs> yeah. So he, I was at a wedding with this guy in, night, in 2019, and I was like, <laughs> I was like, why does this guy look familiar? Not his wedding, my, to be clear. No, not his wedding. No, no, my buddy, a guy in Moscow, shout out to the, those guys were boys from, I think they went to Terry together. So we're like, I'm like, why do I recognize this guy? And I, I texted a guy, my buddy, and he goes, that's Bar. He was in my wedding. And I was like, how is this guy still in college? And he, like, I knew he, like, I get it, he transferred from Wake to Virginia. But then I talked to Bar after they won it. He's coming back at 29 years old. He's going to be 11 years older than team. I'm like, this guy has done it. He's figured it out. I, if, when I come back in my second life, I'm going to run it my college, the, the bar botser. Like, give me the bar botser play, playbook. I'll also say, give me his looks. Like, that's a good-looking uh, guy. <laughs> I, 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 am a, I feel very confident Bar- in my looks. Bar botser, good-looking guy. Bar um, botser is a good-looking guy. Dude, he, I was no, joking. So, one and one in a final, like, and yeah. Bar's playing like two days a week probably in law school. He's like, he's not like, maybe he's playing one, uh, but it's like, Bar's not in the, in the best shape of his life and he's blitzing guys. One of my little brother's superlatives, his takeaways from Champagne, he was like, give me Bar Botzer's practice <laughs> schedule. He was like, that's what I want. Um, but no, I mean, the funny thing is, and I told this to him, so I don't mind saying it here, I was like, Bar, because you've been playing every day to, for this NCAA tournament, right? He's like, yeah, it's the first time all year. I was like, yeah, you've lost 15 pounds. I was like, you look good, man. I was like, this has been kind to you. And he's like, dude, you, he literally goes, he laughs. He goes, dude, you have no idea. Um, and yeah, he's the man. I'm telling you, again, on the women's side, you talk about it. Peyton Stearns was exceptional. You'll all see her at the U.S. Open, and she's your NCAA singles Let's champion. Go. And good. she lost 1-0 and to Emma oh, Navarro. Yeah who's also ridiculous. Connie Ma is a joke. You know, yep. again, there's so many exceptional players. You can watch them all throughout the course of the college tennis season. We'll talk about that throughout the course of the year. But we said we were going to talk about the, the French oh, Open. Got, and we got carried away. Yeah, no, no, this is good. I think the fact that we did 14 minutes unscripted on that proves my point of that. I'm telling you, you owe it to yourself to go check out a college tennis match. That said, why are we able to do things like that, have fun on this show? It's because of the support we get week in, week out, day in, day out from our friends over at Tennis Point. And you all know the deal. Tennis-point.com. Promo code is CR15. The best equipment at the best prices as well. You don't know what you're looking for. The Tennis Point team can help you out, whether it's rackets, strings, shoes, clothing. Again, pickleball. Maybe that's what you're looking for, too. They can hook you up there they've literally got it all covered tennis-point.com the promo code is cr15 with that said nate tell me what we've been missing what are the latest and greatest things out there on the market i don't think the last time i was on we we were had the rolling garris collections from adidas and nike 
So definitely check those out. Adidas. I mean, let's be clear. Everyone has been checking them out. You all watch the French it's, Open. Sasha's there. That, that Adidas kit, that's a strong look. Like the Ubersonic 4s with that, like the, the tank and the black short. I think I'm a big fan of his look of that Adidas collection with the white, the white shirt as well. Showing like the water cycle. I think that looks good. Nike's collection is uh, another one you guys should check out. Um, I didn't like the Carlos Alcaraz uh, outfit, like in the Rublev outfit as much, but the Rafa outfit, I know we don't, we, I wish, I know Tennis Point Germany has it. I wish we had that in, in, in store. That jacket is amazing. But um, last shout out, I'm going to say I was on court today. If you're a polyester person, I've got Polytour Rev and Polytour Pro and a hybrid. We're crossing, uh, we're crossing with Pro and we're in the mains with Rev. That might be my, I just might have found my, my, new, uh, my new string bed. So I'm glad you bring this up. I've talked about it with Dave Limke, obviously the GOAT, um, on this podcast before. Synthetic gut versus polyester. Talk me through the two as we go to summertime. If you're playing more, should you be using one versus the other? Well, first off, yeah, our, I've been able to test about a bunch of string this past year, and I'm, I've been blown away, just like I was with college tennis, string. <laughs> like, how much string changes your ball? Like, it's, it's pretty wild. So if you're playing, first off, natural gut, obviously you're gonna, it's going to run you up a, a few extra dollars. I mean, unless you're playing with RPM Blast or, um, you know, RPM, one of the bad watch strings, I mean, you're in that same range. But natural gut, you're going to get more feel. Uh, it's, it's softer. It's um, more. It's great for finesse. I think players say that they can feel the ball on the string bed a little bit longer. Polyester, if you're someone that plays, I mean, I, we're trying to get a couple, like an hour and a half or two hours a day, and we're popping those. You, you'll pop them every couple hours, but high-performance string, you're going to get a lot, of, a lot of spin. You can get a lot of power. And I've preferred polyester, but um, I, that's because natural gut wasn't wasn't in my budget. Uh, you know, I mean, I had to I had to come through up with the, with the Slinko Hyper G. Yeah. Hyper G is is that I can't believe how popular that was at the NCAA tournament. Everybody is using Hyper G in their Wilson Blade. Um, so Hyper G is a great string. If you want a polyester that's a little softer, a little bit better finesse, look there. But yeah, tennis point guys. If you guys ever have any string questions, uh, send them our way. And I think that's that's one thing that tennis like we have that is we have that figured out. So that's which I think is really cool. I had a coach who, as I played in the summer camps, and if you're a parent listening or someone who has kids who are about to be playing three to six hours a day, whatever your number is, mine was six and a half because, especially once I hit four. So I got skinny at fourteen. And at that point, I yeah, that's good. I appreciate you laughing. Um, I I'll send you the photo. Haven't you haven't seen the photo? No, I just saw you hit a tennis ball for the first time on YouTube uh, like two, two weeks ago. <laughs> I, I, I I couldn't believe. It. Shout out to John Parsons for showing me this. That was. That okay. Was my favorite part of Thank you for saying that because I want to be clear. I did not show it to Nate. We got to hang out in person. We got to actually hang out after the tournament as well and go hang out, obviously, where we were staying. And I wasn't like, let me show you myself playing on YouTube. Nah. That's not what I, happened. I, we, were looking up in the, we were looking up at you in the booth, and we are just like, look how happy Bruskin is right now, guys. <laughs> we are just like, look at that guy. And I was like, I, I turned around to John. I was like, I, I just need to see him. I, I need to see him hit, hit a forehand. Like, I just want to see him. You've never seen Bruskin hit? I said, no. Like, I just want to see his forehand. And he goes, oh, you haven't watched his YouTube file Michigan? <laughs> like, I said, what? I was like, he was, I was like, no. He, within like two seconds, we had this, oh, I was, young Gruskin out there, no facial hair, all cleaned up, like, 
demanding ball boys to go pick up and grab his towel and just no. oh my gosh first no, of all i I don't know why. I don't know why. Yeah, I don't know why I'm about to defend myself. Anyone can go find it. Do I want to say this? Do I want people finding the no? Because here's the thing. Now I'm getting defensive. I want to be clear. My partner and I, Max Rothman, former co-founder here at Cracked Rackets and former co-host of the Great Shot Podcast, we were undefeated our entire season up to that finals match. And you can ask him. A Har- so we played Harvard in the round of 16. It's the best tennis yeah. we've we we played Harvard yeah. round of 16 Georgia Tech quarterfinals Florida. Max Kohler, who's the volunteer assistant for Oklahoma, was in the round of 16. We were supposed to play them. They got upset by Georgia Tech. Georgia, I mean, Florida played awful, and so we played Georgia Tech, and we were like, seriously, we're not going to play Florida, who beat us the year before. And we, when I say we smacked Georgia Tech, like that's the best tennis I've ever played in my career. And my thing was always. <laughs> My thing was always peak in the quarters and semis because the hard work is getting to the finals. Once you're in the finals, just it. Anything can happen. The problem was we played at night. And I don't like when in my life would I have ever played a as a Midwest person. If it's night outside, you're just done. If it's summertime and you're playing outdoors, but B, if it's nighttime and you're playing a match, you're probably indoors playing outdoors under the lights is a foreign concept in Michigan. Like you just don't do it that frequently. And I was ill prepared. And so I'm defensive about showing the video, which wasn't our best performance. (laughs) If you want to see the real clips, DM me at AL Gruskin, but USDA tennis on campus national championship, 2017. Was it the lights or was there a thousand rowdy fans? No, that had nothing to do with it because go watch the return of serve. Go watch the – first of all, you're going to watch the first two games and you're going to be like – or watch the first two and a half games and you're going to be like, oh, my God, he was actually good. And then stop watching. Stop or fast forward to mixed doubles. When I saw the broadcast start interviewing fans – I just, I just turned off the YouTube. I said, I'm done. I said, CC I Bellis. I, I, I haven't even seen this on, on, on my real watching when I, when I watch Rafa. Like, I'm done. Like, this is too much. CC Bellis gave us a personal tour of the USTA National Campus. And that's why, actually, it's hilarious because Sam Riffis, her now fiance, and I yeah, have gotten I'm, to know each other pretty well. And so I've gotten to know her. Last, well, I'm not going to say that, but I've gotten to know CC pretty well. And. It's hilarious because we have that bond where she's always like, "Do you remember me calling you?" And I'm like, "Cece, how could I? Yeah, I'm like, how could I forget? Like, how do you remember like this insignificant?" She's like, "No, it's because." And this how she's like, "Now that you do what you do, it actually makes complete sense because they gave us these questionnaires to fill out, and Rothman and I were like, I mean, we're not going to do this seriously, like under no circumstance." So one of the questions was like, "What if you if you're trapped on a deserted island, what do you want?" And it was a no-brainer. We look at one another. And it's like each other. Like, come on, that's the easy answer. Put it up there. Serve it on a platter. And like, it was little things like that. And so, anyways, all that is to say, when I was playing more frequently in the summer, I would switch to gut, or I would switch, excuse me, to poly because it's just a little bit more durable. Yeah, I more feel like durable, the gut, sure. the gut, you just go. While you might like the feel of the gut better you're just going to go through it more frequently. And so that yeah, would be like the yeah. most novice suggestion. It took us – see, this no, is why I try to know. Thank is, you. For the record, let it show. I didn't bring up club tennis. Also, let the record also show. I can't show. believe this was never talked about in the podcast. I thought this would be one of your – Oh, we've talked teams. about it. Listeners, have we ever talked about it before? At A.L. Gruskin, at tennis uh, underscore point USA. Let us know. Um, 
So. Yeah. My thing was, and I'm aware, go watch the video. It's hilarious that Jay was like, yeah, he was good looking. I was like, yeah, I was. Don't say was. I was like, was. Yeah. No, John said, yeah, look, look at Dusty. He looks good. I said, it's <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, good. good. Anyways. Speaking Dusty, of looking good. Yeah. My guy rocking the doll has great. Well, I was going to say, you can look great like decked a- out in tennis-point.com gear today. So go to tennis-point.com today. But you're right. Who else has looked good? Both Rafael Nadal and, if we're being honest, Alex Zverev, who face off in one of our two semifinals tomorrow. And with that in mind, shout out to Is you. Is that the best backhand you're on getting- the court right now? Uh, all right. Oof. Let's do it. You're getting really good at this, Eesh. by the way. And Yeah, let's just riff. Top five backhands on tour. Let's do the list right now. You're being disrespectful to Novak Djokovic if he's I, not number one. He has to be. I know. I got I got heat for this in a group chat today. I said Oh, this is I, good. I got uh, heat for this today. So, all right, okay. so let's let's talk you through already... let's talk through it. So can I can I give you some nominees? Because I think this is a good way to do it. Only be, yeah, yeah, go ahead. No, no. I'll, defend, I'll defend Novak real quick because because he's added the backhand drop shot, that has been a separator for him. But as far as defend. pumbling the backhand, as far as pumbling the backhand, uh, Sasha stepping in, that is a dangerous... Def- there's nothing to defend. He's 30-29 and 29 against Rafael Nadal. You have to have the best backhand probably in ATP Tour history true. to true. be 30-29 true. and 29 against Rafael Nadal to beat him twice at the French Open. Novak Djokovic no, has the best backhand. That's fair. That's fair. But like, there's yeah, he does. He does. Okay. Because I mean, he, he can work. He works you on the outer thirds better than anybody else. But what's there? Yeah, you're right. I got, so, I got too excited. I got no, too excited. No. So here's the next tier of the conversation: is he is it, because your top five, if it doesn't have Novak Djokovic, it's not credible. So it's just like one of the five spots we can pick around with the order. But he's one of your five. It's non-negotiable. I'm waiting. But, I'm waiting for it to drop off. It just hasn't dropped off yet. Yeah. The next spot is Matteo Berrettini. Just kidding. Wanted to make sure you were awake. It's not Matteo Berrettini. Here's the next tier of people in the conversation, and I'm going to give you a list of names, and I'll give you I'll give you two names right off the bat who I think both have to be in it. One of them is Alex Virov. I think the other, in particular on hard courts, is Daniil Medvedev. I think the way they both absorb pace, redirect pace, in particular, wins Virov. I mean— Go watch his on-the-stretch, down-the-line passing shot, the one he hits to save, what was it, or 15-30 down in that 4-5 service game, I think it was, or whatever set it was, against Alcaraz or, you know, in his earlier matches against Sebastian Baez as well. Just what he's able to do on the stretch at his size, the strength he's able to produce, how fluid he was in the corners against Alcaraz. I mean, the passing shot he hit in the tiebreaker, there it was, to take that 5-4 lead, you know, on the stretch backhand. There are two people who can do that on clay, him and Novak Djokovic. That's the list. That's it. And sometimes Carlos Alcarez, because Alcarez can do anything, but it's just not consistent enough for him to be on this tier right now. I think Zverev has to be in your discussion. And then on hard courts, Medvedev has to be there because go watch the U.S. Above Sasha? Above Sasha? Uh, no, no, no. Uh, in the conversation okay. here for top okay. five. No, I'm, not, sure. Okay. I'm not sure yet if we're differentiating. I would take the, well, I would say the, well. One and two, I, it goes Novak and then Sasha. Like that, it, I think it has to. Well, I think Medvedev's in the conversation. Would you see Medvedev belongs in this top five as well? For sure he's in the top five, yeah. Yeah. yeah, and can mix in the drop shot. That would be the argument against Zverev is can he go off speed as well? And the answer is most of the off speed stuff either floats or sometimes the, the drop shot floats. It's not, a bit. yeah. All right. He can't the, dark, either, so. the dark horse yeah. candidates. 
Holgaruna, who on the slide Ooh. on clay courts, his drop shot, backhand, passing shot combination is just deadly. And the contact point is so easy for him. It's so fluid. He hits the ball cleanly every time on that backhand wing. I'm not saying he makes it every time, but he hits it cleanly every time. We still haven't. We're going to get to previewing the semifinals. And by the way, Zverev's backhand being as good as it is, is obviously an essential ingredient to him pulling off the upset against Nadal tomorrow. I think there's a clear-cut top three. I think those three have to be in your conversation after yeah, yeah. that. After Cor- that, Corda. Exactly. I was going to say Sebastian Corda on the right day. Brooksby, honest to God, on the right day. I mean, three out of five sets, the consistency and the variety of the Francis Tiafo backhand probably belongs in the conversation. I mean, again, now you start getting into yeah. – uh, by the way, we didn't say and Rafa. When, that was when, stupid. Yeah, Rafa yeah. obviously yeah. belongs yeah. in this conversation as well. That's probably your clear-cut top four. And by the way, those are your four best players in the world right now. Is that a coincidence? Probably not. As we look at this semifinal – but I guess we didn't put in a five. Would you say those four and then Runa five? Like Fritz? Me, oh, Fritz, me, duh, Tina yeah. Fritz, Korda. Korda's got to be. I, Fritz, I like, Korda, and oh, Hercotts belongs in the conversation. Fritz, Hercotts, no, Hercotts, no, Hercotts. Okay, my top five would be in order would probably be Novak, Zverev, Hercotts, Rafa, Medvedev. Medi. And then Korda, Rune on the, yeah, yeah. honorable mention. I, I disagree with the order. I'd go Djokovic. I mean, I'd feel like an idiot not saying Rafa right now. But Zverev on his best days, then Rafa, <laughs> then Medvedev, then a drop. Yeah, then... Ooh, man, the Fritz backhand is nice. Hubie's just a little faster. I'll I'll go Fritz, but I don't feel great about it. Put it this way. Hercotch is not top 20 because of his forehand. Yeah, very, very true. Go watch the Casper Rude match where Rude breaks him down by just targeting that that forehand forehand over and over over again. But look, that happens to Alex Vierov at times as well. And certainly when Carlos Alcaraz could connect on a neutral ball cross-court with depth, with pace, Vierov will leave that ball short. Or his reflex is to go down the line with that ball. And obviously against Carlos Alcaraz, when he was able to find that backhand wing, that's helpful. Can't do that as freely against Rafael Nadal. Now, uh, to me— That matchup is just— well, I think when we look at this match, here's what it comes down to. Can Alex Virov continue to do on serve what he's done on serve throughout the course of this tournament, but in particular against Carlos Alcaraz? Against Alcaraz, Zverev was just a different player. And in particular, how many times, and I counted it, five times in a row, he died, you know, from the end of the third set to the start of the fourth set. And those last five, three service games of the third set, first two of the fourth set. He, d- he was up 30 love in all of his service games. On each of the 30-15 points, on four of them he double faulted. On the fifth one, it was a floating second serve. Alcaraz smacked away. On each of those subsequent 30-15 points, three of them, unreturnable serves down the tee. The other two, 
big wide that set up easy plus one opportunities, and you look for Zverev throughout the course of the match. Again, there are times when you remember, oh yeah, this guy is six foot six. And again, against the number one returner in Carlos Alcaraz, who's 34.5 break percentage for the season is higher than prime Nadal, higher than prime Djokovic. Zverev made 71% of his first serves, won 73% of his uh, first serve points. Yes, the double faults started to creep in at the end, but, you know, 39 winners against 34 unforced errors was able to extend rallies and, you know, match Alcaraz's physicality. And when you actually look at the rally analysis, Zverev, you know, not only, uh, or Zverev was better in, not only in the plus one category where he was plus 16 on Alcaraz, but he played him even in the extended physical rallies as well. So going to – sorry, go ahead. Oh, just quickly, if Zverev's going to serve this well, he just – he again, to be to win 80 of his 138 points in the zero to four shot rallies to you know win as many easy plus one balls as he did, that play – is going to work against anyone because, as we mm-hmm. know, big serve beats good return. Even on the clay court, when Rafa's 17 feet behind the baseline, that certainly helps. But sometimes, when a, a six foot six human will hit an unreturnable serve, Zverev mm-hmm. hit that gear against Carlos Alcaraz. And he did it in pressure moments. Served out sets 5-4 first set, 5-4 second set. Was down love 30 in that 5-4 second set service game. Now, he choked. It, you know, had his break point chances, didn't convert. Was serving 4-5 third set, loses that service game. 90% of the time, or anecdotally, all of us have seen Alex Vera in that position and go on to subsequently lose the match. After getting broken up 5-4 in the, in the fourth set, he goes on and faces a set point, but wins the tiebreaker and closes out the match in four. Now, once again, much like he was against Alcaraz, he's the underdog, which is where I think he's just more comfortable to be. He's more dangerous as an underdog. And so, big picture, the question is, how replicable is this for Zverev? And if he plays at the level he did at Alcaraz, which, even if it wasn't his absolute best, was pretty darn close to it, is that good enough to beat this Rafa? Um... So first off, he's going to have to, on the deuce, deuce side serving, he's going to have to find an out wide serve consistently. Which that, he found whenever he needed against Alcaraz. And against Rafa, the guy that hits, I mean, obviously Carlos is, is getting there, but against Rafa's uh, elite foot speed and forehand passing shot, he's going to have to close in and, and probably knock off some volleys to kind of get moving forward. Because you give Rafa an extra ball, you saw what he did to Novak when he got an extra ball. He just, if you make the wrong decision on that attacking ball, Rafa punishes you. And I thought tactically, Carlos, when he had the attacking ball, he was trying to punish the Zverev backhand. And Zverev is just so comfortable getting over to that corner. And he's got both the cross court and the down the line drive ball that just from behind the baseline, doesn't matter if you put him five, 10 meters behind the baseline, he's going to find, like, he has such, it's so fluid. The pop he gets out off the backhand is unbelievable. And I, I think Rafa is going to play a little bit smarter and attack the forehand where Zverev has been much shakier. We saw on, on the hard court swing, Medi is just camping out on the, on the forehand exchanges in, in the deuce court, daring him to hit that down the line forehand, which he just doesn't like to pull the trigger on it. Like, and when he does, he, his margin is just, it's a lot of margin. So guys are getting to that ball anyway. But is, the, the more confidence Zverev gets, if he can start finding that forehand a little bit down the line a little bit more often, I mean, he's going to give Rafa problems. I, I mean, I, I, I'm not going to ever bet against Rafa at the French Open ever again. I, I thought he would. I thought his foot was going to cause him problems against Novak, and 
I, that's that was the only time and like last time I'll ever tell. Like, yeah, I I couldn't believe what Rafa did against Novak. So that gives me um, just hope that he'll be healthy and ready to ready to roll. And when Rafa's healthy on uh, in rolling Gar- at the rolling Garrison, you know, it, it just he's unstoppable. So Zverev's gonna have to find and repeat the level he found against Alcaraz plus a little bit. Well, that's exactly the point I wanted to get to next. Is Obviously, that there is a case to be made for Zverev is that when he serves that well and throughout the course of the past 52 weeks, he's one of the four guys who have been top 10 in both hold percentage and break percentage. He can play with the best of the best. He has the tools. He has the variety. When he's stepping into his forehand and timing it well, he can impose his will, both comfortable down the line, cross court. He's fluid in the outer thirds, can, you know, gets a little stiff sometimes moving forward, but can move forward well and anticipate participates well, has become more comfortable as a volleyer, even if he didn't convert, you know, was just over 50% against Alcaraz, but has clearly gotten better and has become more willing and more understanding of when to move forward. The flip side is, though, to your point, Rafa's freak. like, have you watched Rafael Nadal play at all at this French Open for Rafa in his four-set victory against Novak Djokovic? Against Novak f***ing Djokovic, he's plus 14 in the winner-to-unforced error ratio. He hits, you know, whatever it is, uh, 57 winners against 43 unforced errors. If you can do that against Novak Djokovic, you know, you can do that against anyone. And he's so efficient with his game now, so willing to move forward. He, if, you know, Zverev sometimes will sit... I gotta give him credit. He's much more comfortable closing and not panicking at the like at the net. Like he looks much more relaxed and calm. He had a couple meetings. Cl- Virev. Yes, he had a yeah. couple. Like he closed a couple times against Carlos. On like he would take the down the line, passing the shot, and then on the second volley, he was guessing on the cross court ball, and he was cutting that off quickly. And I was that 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 impressed me because I think for the last three or four years, that's been a, an area of his game that's limited his success at this level. Yeah, I mean, but again, the flip side is Rafa will punish you if you are, as Virov likes to be sometimes, 10 feet behind the baseline with your return mm-hmm. positioning. He'll incorporate the drop shot the same way Alcaraz recognized his ability to do so, and maybe Rafa doesn't do it as relentlessly as Alcaraz does, but tactically, if Rafa sees an opening, he's going to jump on it, and he'll take advantage of that fact. And look, obviously, these two have played before in their career. It's a 6-3 to three head-to-head advantage for Rafa. Now, Zverev has not only beaten Rafa before, he's beaten him on clay before it's the faster clay of Madrid still in that match Zverev won 82% of his first serve points only faced two break points in the match you feel like that's the sort of service performance and obviously it's always going to take that sort of performance to beat Rafa here's the thing we just saw him do it against Alcaraz. We saw Chilich sustain a serving performance between his Medvedev and Rublev matches if Zverev can do it between Alcaraz and Rafa there's a place you start that said again Rafa has been relentless, and you can read your quotes about his foot pain and the injury he's managing. Two days off, he will be ready to go for this match. Again, Zverev didn't blink too badly under the pressure last time. He is the underdog here, but when Rafa gets up on you on a first set, and we saw it with Novak Djokovic, it's just so hard to chase him because he's just so relentless. Cross court, cross court, inside out, down the line, moving forward. You know the patterns for Rafa. You think you're going to hit it to his backhand. Nope. He's going to go high, loopy backhand down the line, right back to the righty backhand to try and bait you into playing cross court. Now, again, there were times where if Rafa plays around, Zverev is capable of ripping a backhand cross-court winner at, from a neutral position in the rally when he steps up on it, and he did that to Alcaraz at times, and those are the times when you say, yeah, he's got the second-best backhand right now on the ATP Tour. Again, 
it just feels like Zverev has to play his absolute best, and the margins are a bit bigger for Rafa. What does a Rafa victory look like? Uh, he had a lot of success hitting behind Novak Djokovic. That inside-in forehand for him, going down the line, attacking Zverev with heavy spin and elevation to force Zverev to try and take that ball early on the rise cross-court. That's when the shank errors and the deep errors come up. And again, heavy spin into that Zverev forehand will cause him problems. And Rafa will identify that. And Rafa will be fine. Perhaps this is the match where instead of going backhand down the line, Rafa says, let's go my backhand cross court to your forehand. And, you know, Zverev likes to bail out of that pattern by taking his forehand down the line. Well, if you go forehand down the line to Rafa, now he can hit behind you with his own forehand line. Or it opens up the forehand cross and he opens up all this court for himself. Zverev has to be decisive with his serve and with his forehand. Again, and that yeah, sounds simple, but that's the obvious place for Rafael Nadal to attack. He'll take advantage of the Zverev uh, return positioning, throw in the serve and volley as well. Now, here's the thing. I test. Did Zverev serve well enough against a playing well enough Alcaraz that if he sustains this level, he can keep this match close? The answer to my eye is yes. If Zverev brings that level, even if Rafa's playing... You know, if he sustains the level he did in the first set of against Djokovic for the duration of the match against Zverev, no one's beating that Rafa. But if it's the same performance we got from Rafa against Djokovic, Zverev can absolutely duplicate that performance, be competitive in a fourth set, maybe even be up a break in a fourth with an opportunity to force a fifth. With that in mind, final thoughts on this match, your instincts on how it's going to go. Give me Rafa in five, four. Give me Rafa in four. I think... I think I really like what Sasha has done this tournament. Like he looks much more confident. He's played with patience. Um, I think he's like, I, I didn't know how he was going to bounce back after kind of getting beat up against uh, who was it? Carlos in Madrid. Yeah. Was it Carlos. So yeah. And I thought he got exposed to a lot of the same things that we've seen in his past, but um, yeah, this one, the, the, just what he did against Carlos was very impressive. And I, but I just think against Rafa, Rafa got past his biggest, his biggest rival and the confidence he'll have coming off that match and getting two days of rest. Like you said, that's huge for Rafa at this point in his career. And this is a guy that's won over hundred matches at this place. And I think with the crowd being on his side heavily, he's just going to be a tough customer, but I do think Sasha is going to push him and maybe two sets will go to a breaker, but it's, it's going to be an awesome matchup. And uh, just, you couldn't ask for a better matchup on paper. Six, Sasha, six, Eight, big bully. Yeah. Grinder. 84.9% hold percentage for Zverev, who, it's always worth noting, faces serious allegations of abuse written by, by Ben Rothenberg in Racket Magazine in Slate, uh, Forslate.com as well, that if you haven't read into, you should. And the ATP's lack of clarity in how they're dealing with the allegations is a major, uh, major asterisk that hangs over all of this and something we will have to continue to discuss if Zverev continues to have success, and it will absolutely cloud over any success he may have. That said, 26.4% break percentage, again, above his career average. He's playing the best tennis of his career. We saw that biggest win against Alcaraz. Can he duplicate that with two days off? Uh, to your point, I bet against Nadal once in this tournament. I'm not doing it again. I want to. Like, I really do think Zverev is playing well enough, and I just I think, do, I do again, too. I think if he can linger and get the match to five sets, if he can sustain his effort on the first serve— to be able to win free points against this Rafael Nadal is an essential ingredient. He's capable of. It's doing all about it. that first set. I think. I think for for Sasha to win, it's all about coming out out, out the gate hot. 
Yeah, I think that the first set, I agree, is critical to both. That said, Rafa always comes out swinging, right? And it's just like, again, with the two days off as well, he'll say, hey, if my foot's not great, I need to get off the court as quickly as possible. Mm -hmm. And if I can get up on Sasha quickly, he may fade. Although then again, I would point to the Olympics where he was down to set and a break to Djokovic, and then he just started swinging freely, and it all started clicking. Again, the longer this Mm -hmm. match goes, the more you feel like you'd favor Zverev. But then, of course, it's crunch time in a fifth set, and you're going to pick against Nadal. Absolutely not. Nadal has to be the pick. I think it's got to be in three. I just like I don't see a world where I mean, I'll say Nadal in four. That's obviously the safest pick I think on the board. But I don't feel good about it. I really don't. I don't feel good about it. I, I just, I'm never going to, no, I'm not going to get yeah. Rafa in Paris ever The again. case is so clear. 110 and 3. 110 yeah. and 3. Again, anyway, what are you 110 and 3 at in your life? The match. <laughs> Nothing. Uh, b- brushing my teeth. Uh, I don't no, know. Uh, no, no. <laughs> I've, I've talked to your dentist. I heard about your T6. Like, it's a little placky. Oh, my God. Zero cavities in my lifetime, Gruskin. I, I, I'm impressive. proud of that fact. No, but um, I just think Rafa coming off that match that he, he – his confidence and his trust in his body has got to be there. But, no, I think that matchup is, uh, is obviously the, the heavyweight fight that everybody's talking about. But the matchup below, what a story for Marin Chilich. Oh, it's, I mean, it, it's another well, good matchup across the board. I think both of our well, semifinals should deliver. And, again, you look at the matchups we have for a semifinal number two is going to be Casper Ruud, who if you would have asked any of us after he made the Miami final, we would have all said, yeah, semifinals of the French Open. Seems like that should absolutely be in play. He won, what, 12, 15 consecutive matches on clay last year in lieu of playing the Olympics, had made a Masters final, been in the mix everywhere. Clay has always been his preferred surface where he's had his biggest results prior to I suppose last year's hardcore season where he just had big results everywhere but he is I mean I talked about this with David Kane I don't think he's played his best match still in this tournament I don't think he's played his best tennis and you look for him overall Kasparu to get to this semifinal round wins over Songa in four sets Rusevori in straights five sets over Sinego four sets over Hurkacz four sets over Runa I mean, again, there were times when he played really well against Holgaruna, but there were also times when the errors piled up, when the second serve abandoned him, when the forehand return would just spray on him, even on a second serve sitter from Runa. You know, the best match he played was probably the Hercots match because of how efficient he was, just attacking the forehand over and over again and executing his game plan. That said, if you can get the ball deep to the Kasparud backhand, you'll have opportunities to attack. And if you give this version of Marin Cilic, who for six consecutive hours now against Medvedev in straights, a five-set win over Rublev, has just played otherworldly tennis, is cracking the forehand the way everyone dreams of cracking the forehand. If he can sustain that, he can win. If he can sustain that, he can beat Rafa in the final. Like, that's how f***ing well he's playing. I don't say that lightly. I'm saying if he can play at this level, he can do that. I just don't think he can keep playing at this level. And Chilich shots a tennis point. So, yeah. Right, we're, we're, we're all in on this guy. No, he's exceptional. Uh, Semifinals like, of every Grand Slam. There are five active players who you can say that about Federer, Nadal, Djokovic, Murray, Chilich. That's it. The only five players to make the semifinals at every Grand Slam. Not Wawrinka, not anyone else still lingering out there, just those five. He's also 34 and 19 in fifth sets, which is, makes him, Ridiculous. I think, something. Is, yeah, it's one of the, it's like top four in the open era, something I read like this. Um, 
Yeah, he's Marin Chilich is staying on the baseline so well and absorbing pace uh, so well and just redirecting it like at a different level right now. That tiebreaker against Rublev, one of the like I'm, I don't know if I've seen a better tiebreaker from anybody. I mean, he just had a he had a plan with every ball and just executed so well. I'm, Rublev almost broke his kneecap. I mean, here's my issue is with Marin Chilich right now. What did Zverev have success with? Plus one tennis and pace, and the the average pace of the of the Rublev forehand. He's just so relentless. If you give him any forehand, you're immediately on your back foot, and that's what you have to do to Marin Chilich. You have to push him off that baseline. You mm-hmm. have to get him moving, get him stretched, make him feel your pace. Kasparud hurts you with his depth. He gets that ball deep in the court. He hits his targets well, but you certainly have time to respond to it. And, you know, again, Chilich with his length, which with his instincts, with how well he's asserting himself, if you give him any time, he's just taking a big rip, taking his cut. And here's the thing. Obviously, the Kasparud, the so well. and the Kasparud forehand obviously has stings, and he finds the corners well. But when Kasparud's neutral rally ball isn't as big as Rublev's, and so, you know, any time Rude's at neutral, right? Right now, Chilch will see that as a time to attack. Now, again, how much does he have left in his tank following that five-set physical match against Andre Rublev? I don't know, but I also know the fifth-set tiebreaker he played was the highest level of tennis I maybe have seen from anyone throughout the course I, of this season. I don't doubt Chilch's, uh, his ma- the maintenance he does on his body. I mean, there was last year he played in Western Star, maybe it was two years ago now, and somebody sent me a Snapchat of him at five seasons gym, like, two hours after a match on a treadmill, like working like, so the guy's putting the work in. I think he's going to, his body is going to hold up. He's got the tall slender build. He's not carrying all the weight. And I think the way he's been moving on the clay is ridiculous at six, six or six, whatever he is uh, big lanky guy. And he's got hands too. He's coming to that, just playing so smart. And the serve has been uh, on point again. And we, it's like 2009 Chilich we're watching out here. So that, that match is, I think he beats Rude. I, I'm taking Chilich. It's so tough, right? Because, again, for Chilich, you're playing with house money. You're swinging so freely. Why stop now? If you lose, you lose. Who cares? But mm-hmm. clearly something has clicked with your aggression this week. So that's the game style. That's the game plan. The ball is on your racket. How many times was Rublev up 15-30 in games? And whether it was, you know, again, in that 5-all game where he has fifteen uh, love 15 and 15-30 where he misses a couple second serve returns. But just how many times was it 15-30 and Chilich went ace-t or big serve wide than the plus one forehand either inside in or cross court or just again in any sort of form or fashion Chilich has been spectacular obviously Kasparud has not played his best tennis throughout the course of this tournament again the streak of errors up a set and a break on Holger Runa and even struggling through that third set getting through was obviously big for his confidence but do we think we've seen Kasparud play his best at all in this clay court season despite the fact that he's won nine consecutive matches I still don't think the answer to that question is yes Chilich is playing better he's the hotter stock right now And yet I think I'm going to go with the 23-year-old simply because he's a decade younger, simply because he has the fresher legs, simply because I think there are things that Kasparud can do, even if the plus one isn't landing, to extend points, to make Chilich uncomfortable, try and find angles and just not allow him to tee off from the center of the court. If Chilich is having success with the plus one, I'm going to look stupid because he's going to win because we've seen that all tournament long. I just don't think he can do it for one more match. The level has been ridiculous, and I just think if that's not landing, what's plan B for Chilich at this point against a guy like Kasparud? It gets tough. He doesn't have it. No, the, the plan is he's got to play front foot tennis. Plan and, B and is try plan A again. 
Yes, exactly. No, exactly. And that's even if he loses a set, he's, but he's going to play at, I, I, I would imagine, at, with that game plan. So even if he drops a set 6 2, he's, he's not going to let the guest battle. He's just going to continue to plow through and see what happens. And I think it's, he's just, he's, he's hitting targets and he's, like he's, his margin is still there. It's not like he's playing super flat. It's just his margins are there. And so I don't know, unless he just hits a cold streak or runs out of gas physically, I think Casper hasn't seen. And we've seen Kesper get – I mean, Kesper didn't have a – I didn't think he had a great clay court season this year. I thought he looked okay. I don't think he's played at the level we saw him get to last year. So, uh, maybe he gets to it with, with a little bit of confidence here in the semis and moving forward. But, um, yeah, Kesper's going to have to serve well. I, I do think Marin Choch is returning very well, and he's getting on top of the ball so well in the backhand return. And he he rolled, he's, he's finding angles, too. I, that, that'll be a fun one. I, I'm probably – I'm hoping plan A works for Choch because I don't – yeah, there is no plan B. Kasparu 2-0 against Marin Cilic in his career, beat him in Rome in straight sets in 2020, beat him in Canada in 2021. That was a three-set match. Marin Cilic in his career, 9-35 against top 20 players on clay, now has won his Ooh. last three matches against Nori, Medvedev, and Rublev. Is that trend going to continue? Again, he lost six consecutive matches against top 20 opponents on clay prior to this three-match win streak. I'm going to take, much like if I was walking through a Vegas casino and I saw five straight blacks on the roulette table, I'm hitting red. I'm going to take Root in this instance and just take him to advance, but I don't feel good about it. And again, I think we're going to get an upset in one of our two matches tomorrow. It's not going to just be a... I don't think it's straightforward Nadal Root as easy as people think. That said, I, I do think it's going to be a fantastic match. I'll take Rude. I'll take Rude in four. Chilich is going to have this last gasp in set number three where he just swings lights out and takes like a 6-2 set. And it's going to be like, here he goes. And it's going to be like, no. And then Rude's going to take like a 6-3 fourth set to clinch and close out the match. Uh, but obviously there will be nerves here for Casper Rude. First Grand Slam semifinal. Gets a big monkey off his back. And you look for him now fifth in the points race. Feeling pretty good about another year-end finals here. And, you know, Chilich has only made four year-end finals in his career. Casper Rude might be at two by the end of the season wow. at age Chilich has made four year-end finals? Yeah, those are the little things you think about. Made four, made them four years consecutively. Wow. Um, yeah, I, you'd think he'd have more, right? I was a little surprised. Four felt a little light, but I thought it, four I thought it, top eight seasons. Like again, you look at primes a lot. You know, one is top made like four 30, is pretty good. Made thirty million dollars. This is its own pod. We're opening yeah. up a can of worms here. You're yeah. about to get me into like, what are the elite clubs? Like, if you make, I need to know. We need a pod on this stuff because that, that this is like me with NBA. A first team. I'm the same way with all the first team NBAs. Like. That's, no, I mean, it's year. Yeah. That's the first team All NBA equivalent is year on finals and it semi. Is. No, the first team is semifinals. Second team is you qualify. Because uh, if you make a semifinals, a finals appearance at the year on finals, that means more than just getting to the round robin. Like Yannick true, Sinner got true. to play as an alternate last yeah, year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's true. Yeah, yeah, not nearly semifinals. Yeah, yeah, and so. But yes, that's a podcast discussion for a different time. That said, under under this scenario, it's Nadal versus Rude in the final. You taking Rafa? I'm taking Rafa over Marin Chilich. Oh, oh, yeah. Excuse me. You said Chilich. Chilich is gonna Chilich is gonna take it in four. Okay, and then, and then Rafa in the to, final. Loses to, Rafa, this... loses to Rafa in straights. All right, I like it. I'll take Zverev to win it. The Rafa uh, path. His no, draw. His draw started off, and he's he's gonna be tested. And then I think his final is gonna be like afternoon to the light. <laughs> I like it. Um, no, I mean again. He's earned it. If you beat Felix, Djokovic, Zverev, whomever in the final, 
it's there's no footnote or an asterisk. There are certainly matches we'll remember, but yeah, that's an exceptional run to the final. I think Rafa's going to win it. I'm just not picking against him at this point. I'll take him in f- four sets uh, in the final. Similar, I think. Rude makes a push in the third set. Rafa ultimately closes him out in four. With that said, again, we'll have more coverage of this 2022 French Open for all of you listeners tomorrow after the semifinals. We'll be back to recap them. We'll talk about the women's final once more. Nate Doggy. You, you have a prediction? Sviatek Goff? Yes. This is, that's popcorn right there. Yeah. It's, I, I think Iga, I said really close for, I think 7-5, 6-2. I think Goff is going to have her chances early in the match. I think she's going to go up a break 3-1. And then I think Iga finds her range and ultimately takes a 7-5 first set and then uh, just starts playing like exceptional tennis in the second set and takes it 6-2 or 6-1. Much like Rafa attacking the Zara forehand, I expect Fontek to do the same thing as Coco. I mean, I just... That forehand, it needs work. And it, it's, yeah, I but Goff can love... serve to that Sviantec forehand a little bit as well. It's true. That's true. I just, that forehand's a little chunky, a little yeah. chunky at times. And I'm the, I mean, she, she's a star. She's going to be the face of tennis. So I, I, I wanted her to keep pushing. I, I'm rooting for Goff, that's for sure. But yeah. Iga Sviantec, 35 straight matches, unbelievable year. No, it's a joke. Just turned 21. I mean, get out of Pantheon, here. Pantheon. Pantheon sort of season. In the club with the Celises, Navratilova's Graffs, Everett's, Serena's. Like, that sort of all-time season. That's the pace she's on right now. Much like At Carlos 21 Alvarez, years old. Not eliminated from the greatest of all-time discussion yet. Iga Sviantec. But with all that said, of course, as always, if you want more... Tune in every week as we have Nate on our episodes of Tennis Point Tuesday. Of course, if you need anything to update your own equipment, tennis-point.com. Promo code is CR15. A shout-out, as always, to super producer Daniel Westoff for the of an editing job he does day in, day out, making all this content possible. Again, more women's coverage over in episode number one on the day with David Kane. With all that said, for the fantastic Nate Walrath, our super producer Daniel Westoff, our friends at Tennis Point from all of us here at both Crack Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. Nate, what do we tell our listeners? That's the break. And we will talk to you all tomorrow. Thank you as always, my guy. Pleasure. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline.